0: Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. So this morning, we'd like to continue our exploration of feelings and emotions. And yesterday afternoon, Donald spoke about how to work with emotions in our meditation practice and in our life with mindfulness. And this morning, we'd like to ex- begin to explore how do we handle the energy of feelings and emotions in our relationships, in our conversations. How do we understand them? How do we relate to them? How do we hear them when others Are expressing emotions uh, without taking on you know any blame or getting reactive and how do we express our own emotions uh, similarly without needing to uh, to blame others for how we're feeling so feelings are one of the things that tend to push us around the most in relationship and conversations it's where a lot of the charge and the energy is And um, when we express our feelings reactively, they can take over a conversation. Uh, It makes it difficult to hear one another when we are expressing our emotions in unconscious, habitual, or reactive ways. On the other side, when we don't express them, right? If we ignore them or suppress them, if we're afraid of them, they still tend to seep into the conversation They can uh, show up in subtle ways. Uh, They can lead to confusion. If we're feeling something and we don't acknowledge it, the other person might interpret something else to make sense of the cues that they're getting. Um, Or we might end up, you know, trying to hold in a feeling until it reaches a certain threshold and then we explode or blow up, right? So all of these different ways of relating to emotions that are not helpful. So what we're looking for, as Donald was talking about yesterday, is this ability to be aware of our emotions in a clear and balanced way, to actually relate to them uh, with with mindfulness, which is this uh, integration of clarity and non-reactivity, balance. And when we can acknowledge and express our emotions in a straightforward way uh, it decreases the likelihood that we're going to react automatically Um, it gives us important information about each other what's happening it can help us to de-escalate when we can express and hear emotions uh, and can lead to more understanding because it's, it's a lot of where our, uh, our empathy shows up is with the emotions, and Donald will explore that a little bit later this morning. So Donald referred to this, this phrase, emotional literacy yesterday from, uh, from Daniel Goleman, developing our vocabulary for emotions, starting to develop not only an intellectual vocabulary, but a sensory vocabulary. So just as there's that needs list that we can explore and become more familiar with the various flavors and manifestations of what matters to us in our life, we can start to expand our, um, almost like our palate for being aware of, feeling, and expressing emotions. So, how do we do this how do we start to become more aware of our feelings hear them and express them in ways that are non-reactive that lead to understanding and connection right that allow us to actually work together rather than dividing us or creating more friction and tension so one of the key things that we started to explore yesterday um, is beginning to disentangle our thoughts and judgments from our actual emotional experience. So we have these words and these expressions in English that point to an emotional experience, but actually communicate some kind of interpretation or blame. For example, I feel like you don't love me, right? I'm using the word feeling, but I'm actually telling you my interpretation of your behavior. Or I feel judged or attacked. Again, there's some emotional experience happening, but I'm projecting it outwards onto you. So what we're looking for is emotions that describe a felt experience inwardly. The reason being, if we're trying to build understanding and connection, others are more likely to be able to hear us if we're not blaming them. right? So, for example, if I tell you you know, when I got that email, I felt really attacked versus when I got that email, I felt really shocked and confused and, to be honest, a a little bit hurt. Which is easier to hear? Right? Which opens your heart more to my experience? I feel attacked or I feel shocked, confused, and a little bit hurt. So I'm speaking about my own direct experience. There's less to argue with. These are the emotions that are moving inside of me. So there are a few ways that our thoughts, sorry, that our emotions show up as thoughts and interpretations. One is um, these, these words that often uh, have ED at the end, like betrayed, attacked, abused, disrespected, intimidated, mistrusted, uh, bullied, right? These are all telling a story about what you're doing to me.
1: Not appropriate in that situation.
0: That you I mean it like it describes how you felt. Yeah, I would shocked is an emotion. I but feel shocked. You it. Um I think that the word that I used was I feel attacked. And then I reworded that as I, I felt shocked, confused, and a little bit hurt. So shocked would be in my understanding a, a description of a felt emotion in my body rather than an interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, there are, there are, so it's not, it's not, not all words ending in ED have blame and interpretation in them. It's just a common construction, it's one signal. So I can say, you know, I feel shocked, I am experiencing the emotion of shock. Mm -hmm. I feel shocked is not necessarily implying, I feel attacked, is saying you're attacking me. me. Yeah, but when you hear the word I feel shocked, versus I feel attacked, which, right? There's a difference there. So, so this is a really important point. We're not, there's no right or wrong here. There's no golden list of these are the words that are okay to use and that will always lead to connection, and these are the words that are evil and bad and will get you into trouble. <laughs> we, want, we want that. We want someone to give us a piece of paper and says, say this and everything will be okay. <laughs> That's not the way life works. So the yardstick is always, is this going to lead to understanding? Or is this going to lead to defensiveness and disconnection? Or rather, is it likely? Because we don't know. We really don't know. But we can have a sense. So we can look and say, you know, if I say, you know, I feel, I feel betrayed. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you that I believe you betrayed me and that's likely to bring up some kind of defensiveness versus i feel devastated still an ed word but i'm describing my internal experience right Make sense as long as the other person doesn't say i'm not responsible for your feelings so let's let's we'll, we'll explore that yeah i want to have a relationship with life where My concern is how I respond to things rather than how other people behave. I can't control other people's behavior and what they say to me. I can control my response. So if my well-being and sense of inner peace is dependent on someone not saying to me, I'm not responsible for your feelings, I'm living in a very narrow, frightened world in which I have to control things to make sure I feel okay. But if if, if I can feel confident in understanding others and expressing myself, regardless of how they speak to me, I have a lot more freedom, a lot more space, a lot more confidence and groundedness. So that I, w- I want to encourage you to put your attention not on, well, what if they say this, and on how do I stay clear and grounded in myself and express what's true for me in a way that's easy for others to hear. How can I hear what's going on for others without buying into the story they're telling? How can I hear what's going on for others in terms of their feelings and needs? So we tend to live up here in the world of our thoughts and judgments and evaluation and blame and diagnosis, who's right, who's wrong, what should and shouldn't be. The practice of nonviolent communication and the embodiment of right speech shifts from this level, from, a, from, a, from an exclusive awareness of life on, on this mental level, to include the level of experience of our feelings and needs, our own and others. It's not that, it's not that we, we stop paying attention to thoughts and emotion to thoughts and judgments and evaluation and diagnosis. That's there but we understand that that's just one interpretation of experience and that there's another way of understanding and relating to life so i want to talk a little bit more about how do we how do we get out out of the blame game of it's your fault of i'm not responsible for your emotions yes you are yeah question i just wanted to go back to the thing you were saying yeah those kinds of words that, mm-hmm. uh, um, that we might use to express ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, those are habits we have of talking about our feelings. Yes. Those kinds of words um, just have a likelihood of testing other people's best Right, they have a like Right. So, like, being aware of those, we're learning to maybe have more of a distinction about how we express ourselves. Yeah. By being aware of those feelings, by being aware of those words, two things happen. one, A few things happen. One, we can start to hear others without needing to react to their blame and judgment. So if someone comes to me and says, you know, Oren, I feel really judged by you. Instead of needing to argue with them, I'm not judging you. What are you talking about? I don't have anything against you. Why are you so sensitive? And getting into that whole thing, (laughs) right? I can say, oh, wow, it sounds like something I did really didn't work for you. I'd like to understand more about that. Can you tell me what happened? Because you didn't give me any observation. You didn't give me any reference point, which I'll talk about in a moment. So that's if someone else is using those words. If I'm now in ourself, this is very important. It's not just the words we use. It's our consciousness. It's how we're thinking about the situation. So as long as I believe that that, that I feel attacked, I'm locked in a perception of you as being bad and wrong and doing something to me with a a negative intention. I'm not able to see your humanity. I'm not able to see that your actions are an attempt to meet your needs. Even if you do have a negative intention towards me. Even if you did try to, you know, um, stimulate painful feelings in me. But I can still understand that as an expression of your pain and your own desire for empathy for what you went through. It doesn't mean I, I condone your actions. It just means that I don't have to perpetuate the cycle of violence by, by reacting to, your, to, to the pain that I feel and putting more pain on you. That's, that's war. So we're stopping that cycle by stepping out of, of, of this world of who's right and who's wrong, and should and shouldn't, and whose fault is it, and instead just trying to understand okay, what's happening? What emotions are present? What needs are they connected to? So, the very important understanding here around um, where our emotions come from and how they relate to the events of our life. So, um, let's say that we make an appointment to meet at three o'clock. This is, and I uh, It's uh, 3.20, and you haven't arrived yet, and I'm waiting. That's the event. Now, um, based on a lot of different factors, I might feel frustrated and angry. If I'm having a busy day, I might feel relieved and grateful. If I know you ride your bike, I might feel worried and concerned. Okay? So, event, 3 o'clock meeting, 3.20, I don't see you. Feelings. Angry, relieved, or concerned. Is this a direct cause and event relationship? Cause and effect relationship? No. If it were, there would only be one feeling response possible if this were a direct cause and effect relationship. So there is a relationship here, but it's an indirect one. There's something else in between the event and my emotional response. That's the context. It's what kind of day I had. It's whether you were riding your bike or not. It's the story I tell myself about what this means. You don't care about me. You never care about me. I'm not important. No one cares about me. You're selfish, right? Whatever it is, okay? So all of that context within each of those different facets of the context, underneath each is some need. So if in that particular moment of the day the need that's up for me is space and downtime, I'm going to feel relieved. If the need that's up for me is efficiency and respect, I'm going to feel pissed. If the need that's up for me is um, well-being and caring for others, knowing that uh, people are safe, I'm going to feel concerned. So the most direct cause of our feelings is our needs. The event is the stimulus. There's a relationship here. The event is the stimulus, but the cause is our feelings. So this is how we understand emotions in nonviolent communication. And and it's also uh, within the research, one of the understandings of emotions that emotions are signals about things that matter to us. They're the way that our organism has developed to receive information from our environment. They're ways of solving problems quickly is one theory that we get, emotions give us information so that we can respond to our environment very quickly without thought. And so when, we, when our needs are met, we tend to feel pleasant emotions. When our needs are unmet, we feel unpleasant emotions. So emotions are a function of our needs. They point back to whether our needs are met or not. So the way that we ref, the way that we can start to disentangle ourselves from taking responsibility trying to take responsibility for one another's emotions I'm going to pause that sentence start a new one and then finish it in a minute <laughs> I'm responsible for my feelings and my actions I'm responsible I'm responsible for my actions and for my reactions how can i hold you responsible for my reaction to something right if you do if you do something and i and i have a feeling response that feeling response is dependent on so many other circumstances other than just your actions so you're responsible for your action and i'm responsible for my reaction my emotions so How can I hold you responsible for my reaction? And likewise, how can you hold me responsible for your reaction? So this is that question that Sylvia keeps bringing up. Well, What if the other person says, I'm not responsible for your feelings? Yeah, I agree. You're not responsible for my feelings, but you're responsible for your actions. And your actions had an effect on me. And I'd like for you to be able to understand that. Your actions had had an effect on me because I have needs. And when you did or said this, it didn't meet certain needs of mine. So I feel things because of my needs. You feel things because of your needs. So the way to disentangle ourselves from this um, enmeshment of blaming each other for our emotions is to connect our own feelings with our own needs. I feel because I need, want, value, enjoy, prefer, you feel because you need, want, value, enjoy, prefer, all kinds of things. Can you um, repeat that again? You are responsible for your actions and your actions have an effect on me because I have needs. For whatever, because I have certain needs and, and your action didn't meet those needs. When you, could we use the mic? It's, it's just helpful for the recording, so if someone's listening later, they can hear this. You might have to turn it on. Just push that little button up. There you go.
1: So you had stated, you are responsible for your actions, and your actions had an effect on me because I have needs.
0: And your action didn't meet some of those needs.
1: And your actions... So, so you're really pointing to the effect... Yes. And not... The effect,
0: of m- making
1: me. The feel effect. A the effect
0: way. is that the need wasn't met. Okay. Right. So what? what and I was you sa-
1: can't. And you can't relate that to an emotion that. Sure. I then have? My
0: emotions are related to my needs. Let us who, what, what was the situation?
1: Okay. Well, in that situation,
0: someone is late. No, your situation. Oh, I don't. You don't want to do it. You want to go there.
1: I mean, it was
0: no okay (laughs) all right we'll do it later play play later (laughs) i was gonna get to play with puppets but not anymore i'd like to keep going with this and um maybe talk about this in a discussion later because i want to do some practice okay i feel because i need or want you feel because you need or want so we also need to talk about the events Right? It's not just that my emotions and needs are floating out there in space. We do have an effect on each other. Our actions do matter. And this is where we start to talk about observations in nonviolent communication. What happened, how I feel about it, and why. Observation, feeling, need. And then the request is, where do, I go, where do we go from here? What would I like to see happen next? So an observation is a statement of something that happened In time. And we want to make that statement as clear and neutral as possible. Again, because we're wanting to build connection and understanding. So if I say to you, you know, um, when you steamrolled me the other day in that meeting, I'm interpreting your behavior. I'm judging it to a certain extent. And now before I even get to what I want to talk about, we're going to be in an argument. I didn't steamroll you, right? Um... When you started speaking at the meeting before I was finished and then when I raised my hand towards the end of the meeting and said I'd like to finish the point that I brought up earlier and you said we're out of time, okay, that's an observation. That's what happened. There's nothing to argue about there. So an observation is a statement of something that happened in time and space as clearly and neutrally as possible. It gives us a context to talk about our feelings and needs. It's often in relation to Uh, another person's actions that have stimulated our feelings, either that met our needs or didn't meet our needs. And the idea here is that we want to be able to talk about this in as direct and um, neutral a way as possible so that the other person can hear us without immediately wanting to argue or take issue with what we're saying. So, again, the internal gauge here is, is this likely to bring up defensiveness or is the other person going to know what I mean? If the other person knows what you're talking about and they understand and they're not going to want to argue, then it's an observation. In the sense that it's pointing to an event or situation that the other person will recognize. So observations are distinct from our evaluations and interpretations of a situation. One of the uh, ways to think about, is this an observation? Another way to think about it is, could it be caught on film? So, you ignored me. A little bit of interpretation there is ignoring something that can be caught on film. What's actually observed? What's the actual observation? Well, somebody walked through the room without making eye contact at the other person. Two people were spending time together and there was no spoken dialogue. No one said anything. One person didn't say anything to the other. It was silent. Those are observations, okay? So, we can can cover a lot of ground in a conversation, even in a conflict, just by beginning to translate interpretations and evaluations into observations. What actually happened here, separate from our judgments and evaluations? This is very consistent with the practice of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a practice of observing without evaluating. We're trying to observe our experience directly, our internal experience. And then in our communication, we want to apply that ability to be aware in a non-reactive, clear, balanced way. We want to apply that to being able to observe external behavior. To say, well, here's what happened. Here's what I'd like to talk about. So there's a tool for this developed by a man named Chris Argyris, who was um, involved at the Harvard Business School and the Harvard Negotiation Project. Uh, called the ladder of inference. And this is a visual metaphor for understanding how we interpret events and move from observations to judgments and evaluations. So down at the bottom of the ladder is uh, basically all observable data. Okay, so anything and everything that's happening in our experience, sights, sounds, even internal experience like thoughts, everything that's actually happening from moment to moment the process of being alive and conscious involves a certain selection we're continually filtering what's happening in order to make sense of it and right but sometimes we start to filter things based on a certain preference or view so from that selecting of data we start adding meanings and interpreting we make assumptions We draw conclusions and then those conclusions harden into views and beliefs. And then based on those views and beliefs, we take action. And then what happens is we get a feedback loop. Based on our views and beliefs, we only start seeing certain data. We we ignore other data, it's called confirmation bias. We only look for the things that confirm our pre-existing beliefs and then we get in this cycle. So each specific level and how they relate is less important here then the basic metaphor of the observable data being closer to what's actually happening, being lower on the ladder, and the interpretive process of moving up the ladder towards higher and higher levels of uh, evaluation and and meaning-making from the events. In other words, if you come home half an hour later than you agreed, that's what happened, you don't love me, I've just jumped up the ladder, right? Or you don't respect me, I've just jumped up the ladder, I've made an interpretation. When we're in conflict, we're usually operating pretty high up on the ladder. So we want to be able to move up and down the ladder with awareness and, cho- and, and clarity. It's not that interpretations and judgments are useless, we need those to operate in life, but are we aware of them? Are we aware when we're making interpretations? Or just to, to qualify the judgment. Thank you. So um, uh, Donald is uh, pointing out that this word judgment has two different meanings, one being discernment and the other being reactive judgment, coming out of an automatic or habitual response that's less conscious. And so um, um, discernment is important. Um, Being able to evaluate and make decisions based on that is important. But we want to be aware of that and be able to, when necessary, talk about what actually happened. What's the raw data? So, how does this start to relate to our conversations and relationships? What we're looking to be able to do is to talk about events... By giving someone an observation. Hey, here's what happened. And then talking about our feelings and our needs in a way that's um, open-hearted, clear, and easy to understand. So what I'd like to invite you to do right now is in silence, think of an event. Think of something that happened. And I want you to write down an observation. And the invitation is to do this using the, the form... When I saw or heard, so we're speaking about what I observed. So when I, saw, when I saw you begin to wash the outside of my thermos. When I saw you begin to do this, rather than when you, because as soon as there's that you, sometimes we start to get a little tense and defensive inside. Uh-oh, what's coming? Right? Versus when I noticed you looking away. During our conversation, I started to feel confused and worried because I really want to know what's going on and to have a relationship of of trust and openness. So what happened? So write down when I saw, heard some event that happened in your life. Could be positive or negative. See if you can make a clear observation. Could be about someone else, could be about yourself. When I saw or heard, when I see or hear. Yeah, read when I read, you know, when I read your email, when I read your text message. Well, you an how you that. Okay, so, so that's the first step. Oh, I mean, what am I just writing the yeah, just write the first one for now. So the observation. Yeah, let's use the mic if we can. What about when there is potentially some? Turn it on. Is that is that going? Okay. What about when there is potentially some interpretation? For instance, when I heard you speak with a more agitated tone, or I interpreted as a more agitated tone. So great. So you just you just made an observation. So the first one, there was no acknowledgement that agitated was your interpretation. So when I heard you speak in an agitated way, I'm interpreting your what's going on for you, and I'm stating that as if it's the truth. Versus when I heard you speak in a way that I interpreted as being agitated, now I've made an observation in the sense that I'm taking responsibility for my interpretation, I'm acknowledging it. Tone of voice is very difficult to make observations about. So some of the ways to do that are when, you know, you might just state it generally. When I heard you speak in this particular way when i heard you use a certain tone of voice without trying to describe it you could just state it generally you could say when you spoke more loudly and quickly than i was right because if i say when you when you spoke loudly i'm interpreting what's loud i'm not being loud you want me to get loud i'll get loud right so, so let's, let's, let me hear some of your observations and let's see if we're on the same page about what an observation is and if there's any evaluation or interpretation in there. Who would like to read their, their statement? Lynn.
1: When I noticed there were very few texts and emails from you in the last two months.
0: Great. So is anyone hearing any interpretation in there? What's the interpretation? Very few. Very few, right? Now want to be really clear here in this exercise we're training ourselves to bring a very specific level of awareness to our words again this is not about saying it right i want you to i want you to be conscious when we're interpreting so that you have choice over when you want to use an interpretation and and when you want to be more um, observational in your language. So, if you could say that to the other person Mm -hmm. and they know what you mean and they're not going to get reactive, great. However, if you've had a history of, you know, tension around frequency of communication and they hear those words, very few emails, there you go, you've lit the fire. So, how might you translate that, just for the sake of practice, into observational language?
1: Well, if I knew the actual number, I could say that. But you I could don't say remember. that,
0: but you don't. So how about what was the what was the phrase? When I when I noticed there were very few texts and emails from okay. you. Okay. So how about um, when I heard from you less than I was expecting over the last two months? Okay. That's an observation, right? Because I'm, uh, I'm relating it to my own expectation. Or you could say, you know, when there were fewer texts and emails over the last two months than there have been at other times in our relationship. So you see how I'm contextualizing that? I'm, I'm, I'm making an observation in relation to something else that the other person will recognize that they're less likely to take issue with. Okay, another, another one. Daphna. Daphna and then Kurt.
1: I'll try and see this one. So, okay, when I heard you speak of me in a low tone of voice to my ex-husband, so this is mm-hmm. his new wife, um, okay. at the dinner table. Um, so let's just stop there. So yeah. just
0: the observation. So again, in a low tone of voice is the part that might be interpreted, interpretive. And the question mm-hmm. is, if she heard that, would she know what you meant? Would she, Or would she get reactive?
1: She became very reactive.
0: Okay. So then we want to be able to say that in a way that um, she would recognize and hear, hopefully, without getting reactive. Um, sometimes, if the observation itself is charged... You know, like, no matter how we say it, the person's going to get reactive. We might need to step back even further and, and, and make a more general observation, such as, you know, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about just how we relate and get along in the, in the family, given, given the history of our relationships with so-and-so. Would, that, would you be open to that? Right? so i 'm just framing the whole conversation, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. Great. you know, something happened at dinner the other night that was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Something happened, yeah, yeah. right um, i'm a little nervous to bring it up because i'm not sure what was going on for you. would you be open to hearing what I noticed? So you see how i'm I'm easing into it, and now I've established agreement, i'm inviting. Um, agreement to have the conversation, so I'm respecting your boundaries and autonomy. Okay, we get we get there. You know, I noticed at a certain point during dinner, I thought I heard you say my name to your husband uh, in kind of a low voice.
1: And I, I mean, I heard the judgment as well. Right. Um,
0: so you could yeah. so you could say, you know, I heard you say something to my husband that I'm I'm guessing you didn't intend for me to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, uh, let's Thank do one or two more. Kurt had his hand up. Just wait for the mic, Kurt. When I asked you to look into the time of the flight, I thought you, I heard you agree to do it. Okay. Um, so yeah, when I when I asked you to look into the time of the flight and thought I heard you agree. Great, yeah. And so depending on where that goes, we might see what happens. So let's move on to the next uh, two steps if i could just okay, yeah. ask one question sure this is a very common situation mm-hmm. in a many in settings and most often at least in in the people i'm around they say oh no i i never did it okay i never heard that or i never agreed uh-huh. you know, that that's the immediate first right. response yeah you know you're going to hear that next uh-huh <laughs> yeah. what, what where where you you are you haven't really solved the conflict, you've in fact made the conflict worse because you know that that's <clears throat> then I would inc- if that's a situation you find yourself in in your life in a recurring way, I would invite you to um examine how you make agreements you need to you need to address it upstream and see are you actually making clear agreements? And if you're in, maybe if it's professional situations, create some kind of an email trail or written record. If, if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if for some reason your working relationships don't have a certain level of trust and accountability, where we can make a face-to-face verbal agreement, and a week later you can say, oh, no, I didn't agree to that. If, that, if that's the kind of work environment you're in or the kind of relationships you're in, then I would want I would want to have some written record of our agreements. I would want to say like, great, I'm just going to send an email to make sure we're both on the same page when I get home later and send an email and say, hey, so good to talk. Really appreciate your being willing to do this. Here's what, here's what I'm remembering from our conversation. Let me know if you, if, you hear anything di- if, if you remember anything different. Could you let me know you got this so I know we're on the same page? And then if they don't write back, write them again. Right? And make sure you're doing this not from a place of uh, I'm getting ready to blast you out of the water when, you, you know, when I know you're going to let me down, but from a place of wanting to actually work together. If you're coming from that place of like, here, I'm going to show you how uh, you know, unprofessional and unreliable you are, they're going to feel that and they're going to be resistant and it's just going to lead to tension. But if you're coming from a place of, look, it's really important for me that we can work together, in a way that's smooth and efficient and we can count on each other and I just really want to establish that kind of a rhythm and if I've misunderstood something or we're not seeing eye to eye I really want to know that up front so that we can each adjust accordingly right? They're going to feel that that's that's the way I would, I would look at that kind of a situation <laughs> so from the observation now, so we're imagining that we're, we're bringing this up, we're saying this to someone in a conversation, I want you to in a, in a phrase, say how you felt when this happened, when I saw or heard this, when I read that. I felt on the inside. Not your story or judgment of what the other person's doing to you. I felt like, I felt that you. No, how you feel on the inside. What are the emotions, the felt emotions? Anger is an emotion in my Lexicon and understanding, yeah. It can lead to blame if we're not conscious of it. But yeah, I felt angry. And then link those feelings to your needs. I felt because I really value, really want. Don't use the word need. Try using want or value or enjoy or prefer. To link it to feel it to yes, so, I, so in other words, in your example, Lynn's example, so I, felt and I felt lonely when I noticed that there were fewer emails and texts the last couple months than there have been at other times in our relationship. I felt lonely and confused because I really enjoy staying in touch with the people I care about in my life. That's, that's an expression of I need community and intimacy in a more colloquial way, right? So you don't have to use these one word needs. Talk about what it is you value, what it is you want that the other person will recognize and understand, you know? Um, when I thought I heard you agree to book the flight and uh, you said that you didn't, you hadn't done it, I felt confused and kind of frustrated because I really, I really need some support in getting this uh, trip organized and wanna be able to depend on the, the people I work with. Could we talk a little bit more about what happened so we can try to understand where we missed each other so that next time there's more clarity? That would be a request. That would be the last step. I just want to give people another minute to, to finish writing down the feeling and the need, and then we'll take questions and look at some of these. Okay, so let's look at a few of these. Who would, li- who would like to read theirs? And as we listen, see if you would, if you would when you hear this, are you likely to get defensive? Or, or do you hear what the other person's saying with a sense of understanding where they're coming from? Go ahead. Okay. When I saw you turn away, Uh, Speak in a certain tone and notice the shift in your body. I felt scared and worried. Because I? Because I really value having clarity and openness about what you're feeling, which allows me to feel safe. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So... I'm hearing in there an awareness of all the different components. That's clear, not really hearing much blame or interpretation. A little bit hard to know. Again, it's not in the words, right? There's so much that's communicated through tone. Um, If I were saying something like that, I might want to simplify it a little because there's a lot in there, and particularly the details of the observation. So I might just want to say something like, you know, when we hung out the other day, something about your body language or something about the way you related to me, uh, I noticed feeling really confused. And was it hurt or lonely? Worried, really confused and worried, and uh, wasn't really sure how to read what's going on for you. Um, it's really important for me to just be able to be open in my relationships and be able to talk about whatever's happening, right? Right? A little different, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So what's different is I'm, I'm kind of, it's sort of where you are as an intermediate step of identifying what happened, how do I feel, what do I need, and now how do I take that and just talk about it in a way that's natural, that lets the other person know what's going on for me, right? And then at some point, if the other person says, what are you talking about? What do you mean in my body language? Or something about the way, then you might say, oh, I can share a little bit more about what I noticed if it would help. I kinda, it seemed like once or twice you looked away, um, then you, you turned your body away from me, and there was something in the tone of your voice. Maybe it was a little bit softer than usual, or, right? So then we're starting to talk about where I'm getting these feelings, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you mind sharing how you translated the observation one more time? Sure. I think I said something like, there was some, uh, uh, last time we hung out, there was something in the way that something in your body language or something in the way that you were relating that I I noticed myself feeling confused and a little worried. I didn't know what was going on with you because I really value having just openness and being able to talk about whatever's happening in my relationships. And notice how I'm framing the need more, more generally. It's not like I need to know what's going on with you. That's your strategy. I'm, I'm taking that and placing it more broadly. This is something that, this is how I roll. I like to have relationships in my life where I can talk about anything. And I want to invite you into that because I care about you. And then that's more, much more inviting, right? Rather than the sense of like, I need to know what's going on with you. Uh, ew, you know, like, why? What if I don't want to tell you, right? So this is about our relationship with our needs and really being able to talk about being able to talk about our needs in a way that's open and expansive and inviting. Right? This is a this is a really great thing. This need. You want to enjoy this with me. This is fun. This is going to be nourishing for both of us. Okay, let's hear another one.
1: When I hear your tone of voice escalate and you start to interrupt me while I'm speaking, Uh I feel sad that we aren't able to communicate openly with each other, because I have a need for safety and respect in
0: my communication with my friends. Okay, thank you. So a lot in there, yeah? so let's take it part by part. Read the observation again.
1: Um, when, I, when I hear your tone of voice escalate and, and you start to interrupt me.
0: Okay. So escalate's an interpretation. Interrupt me is an interpretation.
1: If, I mean, escalation if...
0: Maybe the other person doesn't in. feel like it's escalating. That's your experience. It might not be theirs. Depends on if they would recognize that. If, if you can say, hey, when we're talking and your tone of voice starts escalating, the other person goes, yeah, and they know what you're talking about and they're not going to get defensive, then great. But maybe that's not how they experience it. Maybe they're going to say, like, what are you talking about? Why are you so sensitive? I'm not escalating. <laughs> right? So you want to be able to talk about it in a way that the other person recognizes their behavior. How do you... Right. So I might say something like, <clears throat> Again, I might frame it a little bit more generally. First of all, interrupting, in a certain sense, implies uh, some intention. Um, some cultures, the way they com- we, we communicate is to begin speaking before the other person's finished. It's how we show interest. It's how we show that we love each other. It's how you show that you're not listening to what I'm saying. In your culture, not in mine. Or in the English culture. No, I'm Jewish. My family <laughs> my family if you or Indian or Chinese or African American many there are many cultures in which we express interest. If I just sit here quietly and don't say anything while you're talking, it's disrespectful. It means I'm not interested. It's disrespectful to means in, not some, let me finish in your culture. <laughs> there's a difference. There's a different expectation. Okay, this is really important. So we want to own our expectations and views and recognize that the way that I'm interpreting your behavior might not be the way you're intending it. Maybe it is. I don't know this other person. Maybe, maybe they share the same uh, Anglo-Saxon or Euro-American culture as you do. I don't know. But what I, but I'm encouraging here is an awareness of our experience in as neutral and clear a way as possible. So I want to be able to talk about your behavior in a way that you recognize where I'm not adding anything to it, where I'm adding as little as possible. So how would I talk about this? You know, sometimes when we hang out, I find it difficult to say what I want to say based on how frequently you're, you're speaking. Sometimes when we hang out and... Um, there's something in the way that we relate in our conversation that I start to feel really sad and shut down inside. So I'm just framing it more generally. I'm trying to enter the conversation, I'm trying to establish some sense of compassion in the other person for my experience. I'm not, if I'm approaching the conversation with the view like, look, you need to stop doing this because it's driving me nuts and you shouldn't be doing this because it's not respectful. <laughs> right? That's where that, I want to say. If that's, where, if that's where I'm coming from, you know, maybe the other person can hear that, but that requires a certain level of maturity, groundedness, ability to, you know, put their feelings and needs aside and empathize with you. So if they have that capacity, great. Then you could say, listen, I'm really pissed. Um, there are probably better ways I could say this, but I don't know how to do it right now. Do you think you could listen to me and give me some empathy? Okay, I'm taking responsibility for it. And then unload. Hopefully the person can hear it. Now, if they don't have that capacity, then I would encourage you to try to do some of that internal work to translate the blame into, to connect with your own pain and really start to become aware of what it is that you're wanting. I'm wanting understanding, really wanting you to hear how much I want to have a relationship where um, I feel relaxed and at ease and we can hear one another and enjoy our time together. It'd be so meaningful for me. And there's something that keeps getting in the way of that. Can we talk about that? Now I'm coming from my pain and my desire to connect with you. And there's much more space to, in, in, to uh, inviting you in, to listen to me, and to contribute, to give and to receive. Yeah, just a,
1: a brief addition, I think what we're seeing is that a lot of the words which we think are purely descriptive, when we look more carefully, we can see that they, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, might be taken as interpretive and might be actually triggering. And it's very context-bound. Yeah,
0: you know, But it's, 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 uh, I think we're looking more carefully at that. Your example, Lynn's example, yeah. and so forth. And the key here is, again, it's not in the words. So what we're doing with these words is we're trying to train ourselves to, to examine where am I coming from inside? Is there blame present? Can I use this template of language to start to look more honestly and clearly at the energy that I'm carrying inside in my heart? and find another way to approach this situation and this person where if I'm pissed, I'm taking responsibility for that and not throwing it on you. Right, it, but it sounds like you're, um, you're
1: turning it on its head, though. You're first starting with the feelings. Right. <clears throat> taking responsibility right. for them and yes. based on the needs. Yeah. And then just slightly touching into the observation yes. or the reason
0: for. Yes. And the reason I'm doing that is because in this particular situation, it sounds like establishing the sense of um, emotional connection. And look, this is really hard for me. And I, and I want to be able to have this conversation in a way that we're, we're moving towards building our friendship seems, mm-hmm. seems essential. So this is not a script. Observation, feeling, need is not a script. That's really helpful. It's it's a skeleton. You can start anywhere. Okay. Okay? We're training in a certain way just to to learn how to structure our experience in a different way. Okay, let's do um, maybe one or two more. Yeah, Brian. Uh, Doing this exercise, I'm noticing within myself Some deep threads of my behavioral tendencies, particularly in common situations where my nervous system gets flooded. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I don't know if it fits into the context of what we're doing right now, but it's a request for at some point to workshop the deeper thread rather than I wouldn't really want to start it um, Mm -hmm. and just look at that specific situation and move Mm -hmm. on the deeper thread in terms of what's being stimulated in the heart and the nervous system, like shifting that energy underneath. Yeah, that feels That feels like it gets to yeah. most of it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's uh, see if we can work some of that in. I think possibly in the next exercise that Donald will be leading looking at empathy, some of, some of that may come out. So part of, part of this work, so um, we wanna have a conversation with somebody about something that's challenging or difficult for us. It's really helpful to do some preparation beforehand. Not only getting clear on, okay, what do I wanna say, and what happened, and how am I feeling, and what do I need, and what do I think they're needing, and that level of analysis, but doing some of the healing work inside around the injury or the pain or the other things from our life that have been stimulated that are, that are starting to factor into this present situation from the past. And a lot of that healing can come through receiving empathy from someone else outside of the situation. Okay, And really just looking at finding that space where someone else can uh, show up and just really hold us with care and love and offer a reflection <clears throat> of the feelings and needs that are moving inside of us. And, and this, 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 this is transformative. And so like in your situation, I would encourage you maybe in the next uh, exercise we do, get some empathy for this. And this does two very powerful things, maybe more in the moment I'm thinking of two. One, It provides relief. Lots of times when we come into a challenging situation, one of the main things we want is understanding. Please hear me. Hear how hard this has been for me. I want you to understand the impact this has had on me. I am in pain. I want you to know and understand that. I really need someone to hear me, and I would love it if it could be you. That's one level. But if we've, but sometimes the, the intensity of our desire to be heard is so strong, it makes it hard for the other person to actually offer it. So if we can get some relief outside of the situation from someone else who doesn't have the history or the context who can just show up and offer us that quality of care and tenderness and empathy, oh, we get some relief inside. And now we have a little bit more space to approach the person who you know, stimulated the pain initially and say, look, it'd be really meaningful for me if you could hear how I've been feeling about this situation. It'd be really nourishing. You think you, could have, you think you have some space for that? Because that's the first thing it does, is it provides some relief so that when we enter the situation, there's less intensity and charge. The other thing it does <clears throat> is it helps us get clear on what's really going on so that when we do come to speak about it, we have access not only to the words, but to the felt experience of what it is we're really trying to communicate, all right? So we'll continue practicing with this. This is kind of a first pass. I want to stop here and hand it over to Donald to begin to look now at this. Uh, So we've been looking at being aware of our feelings and needs and the uh, observations of what happened. Thank you. And uh, we'll shift gears to looking at uh, uh, empathy, offering and receiving empathy.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.